G'day guys, welcome to Chewing the Fat with CB and JY. I am Chris Bryson. And I am James Young. How are you Chris? I'm very well, thanks JY. I just want to get started today by making a quick shout out to our sponsors. Um, can we just head to the sponsor department? Are you in charge of that? I, uh, I actually haven't checked the uh, mailbox, so I probably better do that soon because oh. I can imagine it'd be overflowing with Yeah, I'm uh, sure we had like dozens of messages that they wanted to or, us. You know, I don't actually, I, but you, you haven't checked? I haven't been through it. I don't even know if it's, is it physical letters? Is it emails? Because all I know is there's surely hundreds and hundreds of brands that have come uh, come at us for sponsoring. So right. we'll go through that inbox one next week and find out who. who yeah, I'll probably forget again. Um, Thanks to our loyal listeners so far, mate. We are global and trending, as we've said in the last couple of episodes. We've hit eight countries, yeah, JY. Eight countries. Taking over the world. That is massive. Um, and I want to say a quick uh, happy Father's Day. Um, big shout out to, uh, to old man Pete and your old man Wayno. Yep. They're both big fans and supporters of the show. And pity we can't see him this year on Father's Day. Um, but happy Father's Day to, to our old blokes. And look, Chris, I, um, I really like what you've done there. I really like that you uh, threw a little Father's Day mention in there. I uh, I know we all love our fathers, but you and I are not recording this on Father's Day. We are recording this. What do you mean? This. We always record on Sunday. We do. Day. No, you're exactly right. And we did record on Father's Day. But unfortunately, we are recording four days later now, Thursday night, the 10th of September, <laughs> due to the fact that Chris deleted the uh, podcast that we, uh, that we recorded on Sunday. So, guys... Which I, you know what, I would personally like to uh, apologise to every single listener. Um, it's just it's hard sometimes working with amateurs, and these are the things that happen. Look, neither of us are, uh, are tech literate. These things happen, so we apologise for the late podcast. But Chris, but do you have anything to tell the uh, tell the people? Uh-huh. I thought that was staying between us, JY. That's the last time I'd divulge any deep dark secrets of mine with you. Yep. Um, yep. To be brutally honest, mate, if you saw the look on my face when I realised that we'd lost our episode on Monday, I was an absolute shattered man. Mate. I was more devastated than the Bulldogs were after losing a six-goal lead at, <clears throat> at quarter time against Geelong last week. Yep. Um, so I'm deeply sorry and apologetic to our listeners that this will hopefully come out Thursday night, Friday morning instead of Wednesday. Um, yeah, I don't know what else to say. <laughs> <laughs> Look, all I want to say is it wasn't me. It had nothing to do with it. You know, well done, Chris. But uh, we're learning, mate. mate that's all that matters. Okay. How's the rest of your week been, anyway? You been well? The rest of the week's been good, mate. It's been good. Now we recorded an absolute belter of an episode on Sunday, um, which unfortunately no one will ever hear. But we're going to redo it again. Not even us. We're talking. Not even us. We're talking nutrition today, mate. And we're not talking about the science behind macronutrients and micronutrients or um, anything too technical. What we want is to discuss nutrition for the average person um, and like you did on Sunday like we're going to do again give some really good simple takeaway key points for our listeners that they can go and incorporate into their everyday lives tomorrow if they need to um, about nutrition um, and you're the man mate you're the expert when it comes to this JY and I'm here I'm keen to hear you um, talk about this stuff for the second time and I'm looking forward to uh, not only talking about it with you but obviously hearing my own voice as per every week um, I want to start mate with the man who you know, has the rig that's as immaculate as yours, what does a general day of eating look like for you, James, and why does it look like that? Mate, you're far too kind. But um, before I even mention that, actually, I just want to uh, quickly um, make sure everyone's aware that this advice is just general in nature. So nothing here um, really should be uh, taken um, over doctor's advice for any people who um, have specific dietary requirements. That's yep. very important. Um, you know, we're not going to go into things like... Uh, 
uh, vegan specific diet, true things, um, you know, anyone who has uh, specific allergies, this is going to be pretty much just a general uh, chit chat about um, nutrition. So yeah, a basic day of eating for me, mate. Um, usually I, uh, I start eating at about 10.30. So I, uh, I won't go into it now because we're going to speak about it a bit later, but I usually fast until 10.30. Um, when, once it hits 10.30, because I train at 11, I make the first meal of the day um, quite a carb-heavy uh, meal to fill me up for training. Usually that just consists of uh, frozen fruits, yogurts. Um, I put cereal in there just right because it is the ultimate cereal. I don't care what anyone else says. Just right is the goat of all cereals. Um, Can I just let you down for a second time this week? <laughs> say only the second time this week. <laughs> I've actually never had just right. It doesn't shock me. It, that really doesn't shock me. But um, you really should. It's good. It's got a bit of fibre, a bit of sugar, uh, and it's just delicious. It's full of different, you know, things. I love it. Um, <laughs> so I smash that, uh, slam that, and then usually at about 1.30, I have my lunch. Um, so that's about an hour. Post-training, uh, I smash a heap of veg in there with some lean meat, uh, some carbs like rice or pastas or noodles or whatever I want to have with it. depends on what I'm uh, sort of craving. Um, and in that, uh, in that meal, obviously there's about two to three serves of veg. So I aim for about five serves of veg a day. I've already hit over half my veg for the day. Um, and it's only, you know, it's only just over the midpoint of the day. Um, so I've almost ticked one of my boxes pretty early, which is fantastic. Um, and that leads me, I guess, to say as well, like one big thing I do with my diet is I do try to hit fruits and veg in every meal. Um, and in the two early meals, I've already hit half my veg and I've already hit half my fruit in that first one. Um, then I snack at about uh, 4 p.m. I have some carbs again because I love carbs there. It's just my preference. Um, there's no real reason why. Sometimes I just feel a bit better after some, uh, after some carbs. Um, and usually they, those are things like oats, uh, maybe a bit more yogurt again, more frozen fruits. Um, but it's always like sort of breakfast cereally because that's sort of what I enjoy. Um, and then dinners at 7 p.m. More veg um, and you know more uh, more lean meat. Um, but often this time it's like a kangaroo or a uh, a lean beef, um, which uh, generally isn't too many calories because that allows me to have popcorn after because I love popcorn. Um, and just, again, like, do I just clarify that, mate? Are we talking like hot popcorn, melted butter, and not that like ridiculously crazy, no. cold, um, rainbow coloured popcorn? Well, from the supermarket? it's actually neither of those because that uh, that coloured popcorn's for children. Oh, so you, you, know, you, you probably eat it. No, it's horrendous. I don't know why that's even sold. Uh, it's that shocking. But uh, no, it's normally just like a light um, sort of salt. Salt, salt flavoured uh, popcorn. So pretty good. Um, and again, like that whole. Day of eating, that's my day. That's not there for anybody else to copy. Um, your day should be suitable to, uh, you know, to your requirements and your guidelines. There's always context um, around a day of eating for uh, specific people. So, um, yeah, uh, that's me. That's what I usually go with. Nice, mate. Now, probably the most common, I suppose, reason why people go on a diet or actually worry about their nutrition is because they want to lose weight. So I want to hear from you, mate, what are the best things to eat to lose a few kilos if and when we need to? I want to start by uh, giving you guys uh, all a theme for the day, and that theme is, well, actually, we'll call it a motto. That motto is, it depends. So whenever you uh, whenever you get an answer like this, if you want to sound like you know shit, just say it depends. Because in, uh, in the context of things that you need to eat to lose weight, well, there is no specific food. It all just depends 
on you know what your diet and what your uh, your, your nutrition requirements are. And basically, to lose weight, you need to be in a calorie deficit, which is just a fancy way of saying we need to eat less calories than we burn. Okay. Um, and whatever foods allow us to stay in a calorie deficit are gonna be, you know, what helps us to lose weight. So generally those are lower calorie options. Um, things that are higher in calorie, um, are, you don't get a lot of bang for your buck. So things that are, um, I'm trying to think of some examples. Let's use an example of chocolate. It's very calorie dense. Um, and things with fat, because there's a lot more fat and a lot more calories in a gram of fats. There's nine calories per gram of fat compared to four in a gram of carbs and a gram of protein. Um, those foods are just gonna mean that you have less food to eat if you're consuming a lot of those. So things like vegetables, things like fruits, um, lean meats, these things are lower in calories and um, a lot easier to consume in higher quantities. I want to clarify a couple of things there, mate. So if we're eating foods that are of high fat, like you said, it's not necessarily that eating fat is going to make us fat. It's just the fact that they're going to have more calories in them, 100%. which means we're yep. going to be eating more calories yep. than we consume, which means we're not going to be in a calorie deficit, which means losing weight is going to be a struggle. And that's such a, that's a really, really good summary there. And important to remember that dietary fat and uh, body fat are two completely different things. You don't eat fat and get fat. You get fat from eating too many calories and or not moving enough. And you obviously spoke about veggies being a really good option and vegetables are something that's you know widely considered as a healthy food. And you know if you want to lose weight, eat vegetables, but veggies aren't a magic weight loss food, are they, mate? They're just exactly something that's right. gonna fill you up and make you, you know, take up more room in your stomach so you've got less room to consume more calories with less calories in them. Hundred yeah. percent. And you can consume, you know, as as much broccoli as you want and you know as much spinach as you want, but if that puts you over into a calorie surplus, which is the opposite of the deficit, that's eating more calories than you burn, um, well then you are gonna put on weight. So spinach, broccoli, these foods that we normally see as super healthy, that's just gonna, um, you know, that's just an example of two, you know, super stereotypically healthy foods um, that if you are still overeating on them, you can still lose, uh, you can still gain weight. But they're just easier foods to consume in high volumes, meaning you're not less, you're not as hungry. And that's often the most important thing when we're trying to lose weight is trying to control hunger cravings. Um, we just want to give ourselves the best chance to be able to control our hunger. So higher volume foods, like things like frozen berries. Again, I eat a lot of frozen fruit. 200 grams of frozen berries is about, I think it's about 87, oh, it's a real guess, but I think it's about 87 calories. 87 so, doesn't sound like a guess, mate. That sounds like someone who's been <laughs> dozens of times. Every single day, you mean. <laughs> but it's a um, it's a quite a quite a large amount of food for very few calories. Again, there's water and frozen berries as well, which helps um, just with your yeah, like stomach bulk. Um, but those foods that are higher in fiber as well, um, which is another component of vegetables generally, um, are going to be a lot easier to uh, diet on. So there are no foods for fat loss. If there is just foods that are easier to control um, calories with. So, so theoretically, we can eat McDonald's all day, every day, and lose weight if we're at a calorie deficit. Absolutely. It's just not going to fill you up because you're going to have way less of it than if 100%. you eat a whole lot of veggies. You're a lot harder, and also you'll feel shit, which is another thing we'll speak about soon, but you'll feel shit just eating Maccas. And, you know, at the end of the day, for someone trying to gain weight, which isn't everyone's goal, and it's probably not the goal of a lot of people listening to this podcast, but Maccas is actually great <laughs> because all the fat in it is going to help you stick in a calorie surplus with very little effort, mm. you know? So again, like to use those, those fancy shake diets and, uh, you know, these slimming secrets and stupid shit like that, 
said I wouldn't quote any actual brands, and I just did. Um, but there's heaps of them, there's heaps of crooks out there that sell these shakes as a, uh, you know, as a weight loss supplement. It, all it is is just low calories, and these companies just force you to eat, drink eight shakes a day at 200 calories each equals 1600 calories. You're in a calorie deficit most for most people. So there, it's not because of the shakes; it's the calories in the shakes, oh, whether man. it's fruits, veggies, whatever it is. I I know less about this stuff than you do, mate. Um, but yeah, I think that's been a frustration for mine because you know those shakes are, are sold to people with the promise I'll lose weight. And you think, oh my god, if they do work, and, and they do work in some people, you see these, you know, before and after pictures and all that, and they're like, oh, I've been on these weight loss shakes forever, and I've lost all this weight. It's not actually the shakes that make them lose weight, right? That's just the means to the end. And what's the help them lose weight is the calorie deficit. And the principle, as you said, is the calorie deficit, but the method can be completely different. It's how you get there. And that's one method, but that's not the reason why most people think they're working. And look, it's like it's like the same as bro splits in training. So, you know, we're obviously to what we'd call evidence-based practitioners. You know, we look uh, at, you know, a summary and of, of the research and use what is, you know, what is currently the best practice. Whereas bro sort of, you know, myths, bro science, these sort of... Uh, Training bases are just like, you know, the old school Arnold Schwarzenegger types. It's not that they don't work. Like, it's the same as, you know, these shakes. They do work. It's the fact that there's no actual education behind them. This is a huge problem that we have as coaches is um, having clients or having people start training with us or talking to people who don't have any nutritional education, which is, look, one of my life goals here, um, getting real preachy, is I want that I want to get that taught in schools. Mate, why isn't that not taught in schools? Oh, it's there's so many things that we're not taught when we're like fifteen that we should be. There's a and huge stigma, I believe, around calories, um, and you know, again, not a topic we're going to go into, but eating disorders and things like that that have stemmed from people who have been fixated on calories. And I think it's created a bit of a stigma around tracking and well, not tracking, but around the actual science of eating, which involves numbers. And I think it's sort of led to a point where habits which are important let me let me get this completely straight habits are the most important thing and we will talk about this in an entirely another podcast um but at the end of the day there is still you know these calories are are a thing and people don't know that because it's never taught anywhere and our job as coaches just like your job with your clients to educate them about what we spoke about a couple of weeks ago why they're feeling pain and you know different elements of pain we have to teach people about why the foods they eat help them lose weight and why they're not losing weight. And it's sometimes it's a losing battle with these companies who do prey on you know easy shake diets because there's no education behind why they've lost weight in the shakes. You just magically think it's the shake and you know no other way to lose weight. Because if those companies educated people that consume their products as to why they're working, they probably wouldn't sell any products. No, they wouldn't, exactly right. And <laughs> therefore, they wouldn't make any money and, you know, therefore, that's why I'm poor and they're rich. <laughs> um, in the wrong industry, mate. <laughs> um, now, the next thing I wanted to touch on, you've already, um, you know, covered this a little bit, but we want to talk about the best diet strategy for putting on weight for those who want to put on muscle who are working really, really hard in the gym and you said that obviously calorie deficit for losing weight, calorie surplus for gaining weight. Um, can you elaborate a bit more on that, mate, and what are the best ways to go about it? Yeah, so um, generally we say in people who have been training for a little while um, that they do need to eat in some sort of surplus of calories to help uh, to help them actually put on size. And that's obviously the goal with muscle gain um, is to get bigger. Um, obviously muscle um, more so than fat. 
but we need some form of a calorie surplus there. Um, beginners, generally, they don't need to uh, worry too much about being in a surplus, but both beginners and advanced trainees require a certain amount of protein. And protein, the way we look at it uh, in its simplest terms, it is the building blocks of muscle. Um, so we need some form of... Um, uh, we, need, we need to track or to you know comprehend how much protein we're consuming to ensure that we're um, you know that we're synthesizing uh, that protein to use to build muscle in conjunction with our training. So how much protein should we be consuming if we want to put on muscle? Uh, so it's anywhere for me and my clients. I use between one point eight to three grams. Uh, one point eight sorry one point eight grams to three grams uh, per kilo of body weight. So grams of protein that is per kilo of body weight, but. You know, for most of the research out there, they say it's anywhere between 1.4 to about 3. Point, I think it's 3.2, which is a fair range of protein. You'd be surprised, though, how little protein most people eat. And one gram of protein does not mean one gram of chicken breast. So for a 70-kilo male like me, if I go off three grams of protein as the top end of the range, it's about 210 grams of protein uh, 1.8 would be about 130. So like my protein range would be, you know, 130, 210 grams of protein. Mm. That doesn't mean one chicken breast, 210 grams hits the top of my it's range. It's not 130 grams of the protein source. It's exactly right. It's, in it. it's the protein that's actually in that source. Exactly. Yeah. You, you summed it up perfectly there. And um, you'll find that a lot of people are actually, you know, with Western diets at the moment, we don't actually really focus on high protein. Most of it's processed carbs. Um, and the processing, like, you know, the, the, the foods that are generally highly palatable are just fatty, sugary, you know, carb, um, you know, dominant foods. And that often leads to us not really getting enough protein. And also, it's important to remember, like, you don't just eat protein and grow muscles. Like, you need to have some form of training in there. But the protein fuels the muscle growth. So we're looking to put on size. We need a calorie surplus. We need to eat more than we're, than we're building yep. off. We need high amount of protein for muscle protein synthesis, which is what you just mentioned that a lot of people can struggle with. Um, where does a protein shake after doing a workout fit into that? Do we need that? Probably the most common question we get asked. Um, and I think we got asked this by three people in our Q&A uh, this week. But um, the way we look at a protein shake um, is it's just... A hit of protein. It is another source of um, of protein in our day. Okay, so when you have a shake, it's not that the shake has anything magic in it. The shake literally just gives us, say, thirty grams of protein in one hit, and just still a lot less than what you would need, for example, if you were trying. To yeah, exactly. Well, it, let's say I'm eating the, you know, let's say I'm eating in a mid range of protein. I'm eating about one seventy. So right now, I'm actually eating about one hundred seventy grams a day. If I have a shake that is 30 grams of protein, and remember that's 30 grams of protein, not 30 grams of the powder in the shake. That's yeah. important to remember as well. Um, but the 30 grams that I have there is only like a sixth of my daily protein. That's unreal, isn't it? People think, oh, I've had my protein today. I've had my protein shake. Not at all. Yeah. And that's why if I actually do recommend protein shakes because that 30 grams is a very easy way to get protein in. Mm. So... Rather than, you know, being like you have to cook, you know, different foods that are higher in protein and constantly focus on how much protein you're getting in each meal. For beginners especially, it's very easy to sort of slam a shake after a workout. 
which is, you know, it's kind of got a bit of gym culture to it. Like people, sometimes people love slamming a shake after workout. You know what? I actually do it. Um, I started doing that during ISO because, you know, finish my workout. I'm like, yeah, just, you know, help out my shake, put a bit of, you know, put a bit of carbs in it just, uh, you know, because that's what I used to do. It's kind of old school. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, you have uh, a lot of people who you just get them to do the shake and there's 30 grams of protein, bang, like that. So... When we do train, though, we do need to have protein in our system beforehand because what we don't want to do is go into a, um, a, a net negative balance of protein where we are um, basically going to break down muscle to use as um, fuel for the workouts. We want to be synthesizing protein. We want to have a, you know, a positive protein balance. And that comes from having protein in our system before we train. So sometimes a protein shake before a workout, like half an hour before a workout, is great because it'll stop you from you know, being in that sort of net negative protein balance. But if you've eaten an hour before a workout, and you don't actually need that much protein. It's like, I think it's like 15 to 25 grams, somewhere in that, you know, that, that sort of range. If you've had eaten before a workout, well then you don't need to have a protein shake before the workout because you've got protein in your system, okay? Just like after a workout, the reason we have protein is because we want to quickly, you know, we want to ride the highs of having synthesized muscle. We want to use that protein, you know, and the protein that comes with the shake to therefore, you know, ensure that we're in that positive protein balance to continue to synthesize muscle. It's not that the protein shake after the workout builds the muscle, it just continues keeping us in that protein balance, that positive balance. If you've got food in your system that you've eaten, if you've had a shake before a workout, there's no point having a shake after workout unless you've been working out four hours, which I doubt you have. Mm. Um, and that's a big thing for endurance athletes, but not necessarily the people who will listen to our podcast and general people yeah. because you've already got protein in your system. So then the post-workout shake isn't actually doing anything special. Yeah. Like I said, it is handy though, just to ensure that you're getting 30 grams of protein and reaching your daily target. So it's useful to help us reach your daily target. By itself, it's not going to reach your daily target yep. and probably just making sure that we're reaching that target throughout it's the day. It's most important, far absolutely. And the timing and when you're actually taking the shake for the everyday yep. person. And look, you like if you're having that shake just after a workout and that you know is the perfect thing you can do because you're you know riding the highs of you know MPS, it's yep. like, well, like not the, not everyone can do that. Like Some people just need to train and just get out. Like... Some people can't afford protein. Like there are people out there who can't afford protein. It's you're not missing out. You know what I mean? It's not a necessity. It's like it's a it's a tool. I guess. Is I like what I'm it, trying mate. to say. I like it. Um, I want to move on. What do I want to know, mate? I pre you know global pandemic lead a pretty busy lifestyle. I work pretty late at night sometimes. I've got busy weekends. I'm time poor. It's hard if I really want to focus on my diet nutrition to spend a whole lot of time in the kitchen and you know cook all these awesome meals. For people that are time poor, who have really busy lives, what's the best ways to prepare food and what should they be focusing on in terms of nutrition? Yeah, uh, mate, you're just, I think you're speaking for half the population. Yeah. You know, sometimes cooking um, is quite a mental challenge. Um, you know, these days we're so accessible with Uber Eats and takeaway that it's, um, you know, it's very easy to just pick up the phone when you can't bother cooking. I find that the biggest... Uh, necessities so the things that I have to have in my house and I recommend everyone's house obviously depending on environmental factors and obviously dietary requirements um, are easy foods such as uh, bags of stir-fried veggies that you can throw in a wok quickly uh, frozen veggies that you can put in the microwave for three minutes you know cups of rice um, things like you know ready-to-go yogurts um, rice cakes 
these are very easy foods that you can use. Um, you know, even like some of the HelloFresh and, you know, the, the microwave meals, because it's all just calories at the end of the day. Like, obviously, we want to look at the nutrition of foods, which is why I'm so big on recommending those frozen veggies and, you know, stir-fried veggies and the fruits. It's very easy to just kind of pick up those foods and go. Um, and if you're cooking, like, you know, a really easy way to, you know, create a meal is, um, you know, if, if you've got an air, mate, if you've got an air fryer, I am telling you right now, I am the biggest ambassador for air fryers. Put a bit of meat in it, 15 minutes, don't have to do anything, and it is done. And if you put that with a cup of rice in the microwave, a bag of frozen veggies, if you're really, like, I'm obviously, like, you know, that it's not the world's most optimal meal, but it's easy. How easy is that? You haven't actually cooked anything you got 15 minutes to go and do what you want while the meat cooks and then just stuff, put the stuff in the microwave. That's probably my biggest recommendation is easy foods. Just easy, easy foods. That's what we need, mate. That's what we love. Oh, mate. And that's the thing. Like, we're not all, like, big kitchen, you know... <laughs> I was going to say big kitchen boys, but that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> all, all girls. Um, we're, um, you know, we generally want to get in and out. So that's why those things are really easy to eat. But, you know, assembly meals, uh, meals that I... Um, I sort of categorize um, as things you just throw together, like you know a lot of uh, curries, a lot of stir fries, uh, Mexican bowls, foods where you can just throw some protein, some carbs, and some veg together, put some sauce on it. It takes you two seconds. You might just have a couple of pans on the stove going at once with different things, but they're so easy. You don't actually have to cook. You're not a chef. You're just assembling a meal. So you heard it here first. JY's Easy Cooking Cookbook. Coming to all good bookstores. Yep. New actually, year, I can probably <laughs> plug something that is going to be coming out hopefully by the end of the year. So uh, stay tuned. I'm Ooh. not going to say any more. Well, first I've heard of that. I'm excited Any more. All right. We're going to get to the Q&A. Um, we've got some great questions, questions from our listeners. Um, the first one um, comes through from the Instagram from Georgia. Georgia wants to know, JY, what are the 10 best nutritional, healthy foods that you would recommend? Um, look, I'm going to go back on that uh, it depends sort of tangent before. Um, <laughs> the motto of there the day. There is the motto of the day, mate. Look, <laughs> I don't think there are any, you know, must-have, you know, best healthy foods. But I guess the with, you know, obviously the degree of health of a food is, you know, how much micronutrition it has in it. And, you know, does it fit, I guess, what would be um, something that you lack in your general diet? So I often say the best foods you can eat are the ones you're not eating. Um, obviously, like if you're not eating macros, it's not great to have eating macros. The best but foods you can eat are the ones you're not eating. If you're not eating enough fiber, well, something that has fiber is the best thing you can add in. If you're not eating enough, uh, you know, if you're not eating enough vegetables, well, vegetables are going to be the best thing you can add in. There is no best specific food. It's generally what you're lacking. Well, so the gaps in your own diet. Exactly right. So if you miss vegetables, adding in vegetables. If you're not having protein, well, protein's probably going to be the best thing for you. You know, fiber, and then obviously just right and frozen berries. Just um, saying that. It's all context dependent. I will just touch on the whole it depends thing, and, and you're so right in that, you know, the answers to so many questions in the world that we live in, which is evidence-based, you know, science, healthcare, essentially, is that it depends, and I find myself saying that dozens of times every single day at work. Oh, yeah. Um, but on a more disappointing note, you haven't given Georgia a top 10. <sighs> I, was, I knew you were going to throw this on me. Um, <laughs> all right, I'd probably say Just Right, Frozen Berries, uh, Chobani, uh, Rainbow Billabongs. Rainbow uh, Billabongs, Rainbow yeah. Billabongs. Oh, here's, here's something. Paddle Pops fucking suck. Billabongs are 100 times better than Paddle Pops. And I am putting that on the record right now. So if you like Paddle Pops, I want you to delete this podcast because you're, you're missing you, out. 
You called me Billabongs. You called me a child. I haven't had a billabong since I was seven. Mate, I Do they even sell them anymore? Once quarantine's over, I'll bring you a box of rainbow billabongs and you'll thank me later because they're honestly the best. Maybe yeah, that's a sponsor. I hope they're in our inbox. Um, anyway, <laughs> I'm sure they are, mate. We just haven't checked. I absolutely love um I absolutely... what else do I love? Oh, I love um I love kale. Actually, you know what? I do love kale. Kale Hooker. Yep. Like, uh, yeah, you know what? Kale Hooker, after the amount of times that he used to tear us a new one before we went on like a 13 grand winning streak against Essendon, he can get one. I don't know why you're talking about footballers. What's uh, kale? What? I don't get it. Mate, kale, like the vegetable. That's a vegetable? Do you not know that? <laughs> I knew it a little bit. Oh, God. This is this is Chris's comedy, guys. I should have We're sitting here trying to have a serious chat about good, best, healthy foods, Georgia. <laughs> Chris has ruined it. I'm sorry. But Kale's up there. I reckon everyone who says Kale sucks needs to try something with it because it's... it's you, you can do so much. There's five foods. That's oh. the best you're going to get because oh, that'll I'm, do. I'm done. <laughs> that'll do. Um, we've got a few more for you, mate. Don't get too rattled. Beth wants to know. Never rattled. And you touched on this before, mate. So this would be a quick one. Should we eat before or after a workout? Um, ooh, good question. Um, both. <laughs> well, yep. <laughs> it depends. No, I'm joking. Um, no, look. Well, when you eat before a workout, it's to fuel that upcoming workout. So generally we say eating within two hours um, of pre-workout. Um, like let's say if you're like me and you're training at 11 or you're training in the afternoon, that um that food is going to give you glucose and it's going to give you protein to avoid um, uh, breakdowns. So it's going to fuel the workout that's coming pretty much. Um, the closer that meal is to the workout, you want to try to avoid like high volume, high fiber foods due to the fact that it can cause some um, gastro gastrointestinal discomfort, which is basically just like stomach pains. Um, but that food there is obviously going to stay in your system through the workout, which also means that post-workout, the closer you eat to the start of the workout, means the further back you can push that post-workout meal and vice versa. But the post-workout meal is to replenish glycogen. Um, it's to have that protein to ensure we're in the positive balance, obviously, stoke that, uh, that MPS fire. Um, and it doesn't have to be immediately after um, due to the pre-workout nutrition. Mm. Let me just anecdotally say, uh, someone like myself, I love eating half an hour before I work out and eating whatever, it doesn't matter. A lot of people find different sort of, um, you know, foods that don't sit with them when they train. Just like after workouts, some people just, there'll be foods they just can't eat after work. They won't feel like it. And that's fine. There is no, like, same thing. It's the macronutrient sort of breakdown, what's in the food that we're looking at more so than, you know, does it have to be a whey protein shake? Like, that's another thing about protein shakes is they're so easy to have after workout generally when people don't like feel like eating. But if you're training first thing in the morning, generally you'll be fasting before you work out unless you want to eat at 5.30 in the morning. Um, that, um, that's the great, a great time to try things like intra-workouts. So that's where you might have a protein shake with a bit of carbs, like some Gatorade powder or, you know. Do you remember Endura? Did you ever have Endura? No. Oh, mate, you obviously didn't play any sport then. Um, <laughs> no, we know you're the better sportsman. We've been over that. <laughs> um, yeah, I've been over that. I got to buy Endura once by like one of my coaches, but it's like, it was like the shit like off-brand Gatorade. And it was, but it was more expensive. Like it was just, it sucked. Well, I had um, staminate was more. It was, mate, it was literally like yeah. the worst staminate you've ever had. Staminate was hot. It was you like shit staminate. Yeah, but that, anyway, so like yeah, intra workouts, like they're really great. Um, first thing in the morning, just so you do have protein and carbs in your system, and you can eat post workout. But like I said, it's again, neither is better. You just want to have the 
you know, the resources in your system to both fuel the workout and then recover from the workout and grow. Lovely, mate. Now, Chris Kano is probably our number one question to ask. He's got another one this week. God bless his cotton socks. Kano says, intermittent fasting. Yes, no, maybe. I don't know. Can you repeat the question? Do you know what that is from? Malcolm in the Middle reference? Yes, absolutely. Um, um, great show. Can I have a crack at this one? And yes. You can correct me if yes. I'm wrong. Yes, I would love that. Just on, we spoke a little bit about it earlier that, you know, in terms of, I mean, intermittent fasting is essentially a tool or a method to achieve a calorie deficit, right? So if we want to lose weight, intermittent fasting can be a good tool to help us eat less calories because essentially intermittent fasting is you're only eating within a smaller amount of hours during the day. So it might be you only eat from 12 p.m. to 8 p.m. or from 4 p.m. to 9 p.m. or whatever it may be. And people have this assumption, oh my God, I use the intermittent fasting diet and it works and I lost all this weight and I've got this performance photo and you should do it as well which is great and it did work for them, but they think that this might work because it's tricking their body into some sort of physiological process which is going to burn and shred their fat away. But essentially, if they've got less time in the day to eat, they are therefore only going to be fit in, able to fit in less calories than they otherwise would have, which is therefore going to put them in a calorie deficit, which is therefore an effective way to lose weight. But not a magic tool. Mate, yeah, honestly, like spot on. And it's, it's like I fast and I have mates that fast and the reason I fast is because it means obviously I can have more food later and I obviously I often can get through the morning with the black coffee and you know some water and then eat before I work out mm. but some people can't like I like look I there's obviously hunger hormones and things that uh, you know ghrelin is a big one it's a hormone that basically just says you're hungry but we can often turn off these signals just by not eating and getting used to like not eating and where am I going with this you <laughs> you don't need food first thing in the morning which is why the you know the fasting community is quite you know vehemently like loud about you know oh, you don't need to eat in the morning like the breakfast is a bit of a myth like the breakfast is the most important meal of the day there is no most important meal a day. Like yeah. it's your meal, your routine is more important. Yeah, fasting is great though to push those calories back. And there also is a lot of research into um, the health benefits of fasting, like the impact it can have on, um, there's a lot of like anti-aging stuff and gut um, research and things that are far beyond my, um, my scope of practice or anything that I really do look at currently um, in my coaching and in my training. Um, but apparently a lot of the research is quite positive. Um, it's just not, we haven't got enough like chronic evidence. So we're probably, you know, gonna find out in a certain amount of time that fasting might actually be the best thing to live longer, which is what they're sort of, they're quite loud about. But is it, well, you know, that's not why I do it. I do it because it lets me have food later. If it means I live longer, well, fuck yeah. But is it, you know, gonna help me lose weight? Depends, because I can eat a whole lot more later. What you said there was exactly right. The breakfast point is a really good one because that's, I mean, I, I remember hearing that when I was about five years old. Breakfast is the most important meal of the day and you can't leave the house or go to school without having breakfast. But that, like, it's literally a lie, isn't it? Because breakfast is great if you want to, you know, eat lots of food and put on size, but breakfast, you know, is probably better off being skipped if your goal is to lose weight and you want to eat less calories. Mate, um, that's, and that's spot on. Like, honestly, you couldn't say any better than that. Um, we've got another question for you, JY, from an account called The Allergy Journey, which is a fantastic Instagram account for anyone with any sort of food intolerances. Um, if you struggle or you're intolerant um, to gluten, dairy, garlic, onion, to name a few, check out The Allergy Journey on Instagram. We love The Allergy Journey. They want to know what's better, protein shakes or real food packed with protein. And you did touch on this earlier, is that... 
I'm imagining you're going to say a combination of both is very, very important. But there is, is there a difference in terms of the quality? Because we're also going to have a very similar question that I might just throw in at the same time for you from Matty Rushworth um, of Bayside Athletic. He's also another um, big fan of the podcast. who also says, is there such thing as better quality protein? So can, um, you, uh, can you answer these ones for us uh, to wrap up, mate? Yep, absolutely. So... Um, <laughs> The uh, first word of my notes is it depends. Um, <laughs> protein shakes. Look, it, it like if you look at your diet as a whole. So like, let's look at the you know the whole diet rather than just you know whether you um, whether a shake or you know protein is better. Whole sources of protein are God. I'm trying not to say they're better, but will often be better because you know there's more micronutrition in real foods. But in terms of like building muscle, we need to have um, what we call a complete amino acid profile, which is um, really just the uh, the breakdown or the sort of the ratio of amino acids in the protein. And the most important of that is leucine. Um, we need a high amount of leucine in um, in the protein that we have, which is often lacking in like vegan protein sources and things, which is why we often recommend them to supplement with that. Um, and a protein shake has the most, well, most protein shakes has the most complete ratio of protein. So when we uh, when we look at what is a better protein, like what's better, well, I'm going to say like, yeah, you should be eating whole foods because there's more micronutrition. But if your goal's to build muscle and you're eating, you know, a lot of whole foods with high in protein, well, that shake's going to be great then. Like that shake is going to be a fantastic way to get a complete amino acid profile. Just like if you're only eating, only drinking shakes, whole protein is going to be far better coming from, you know, your nutritional sources due to, you know, the other vitamins and, you know, minerals that are going to be in it. Um, So, look, it's probably like a really like, I've avoided the question a lot. Um, It really does depend. But, yeah, just remember that you want high, um, I think it's a two to one ratio with leucine um, compared to the other amino acids. Um, and you know, I, I, I actually, you know what? Another thing is that the uh, protein shakes, like I said before, are great when you don't feel hungry and you need protein. So again, they're not better. They're just they're they're a tool in the toolkit. Like they're a fantastic way of getting protein in. So better quality protein to answer Matt's question um, would be protein that is you know of that perfect or complete amino acid profile. That's what we would call better quality protein. Um, and these days, like that, can come in a variety of different, um, you know, sources, whether that's dairy or non-dairy or whatever it is. Mate, I love that, JY. I reckon we've covered some really, really good, important topics that, as, as you said, mate, we should be educated about this earlier. Like, this should be a class in year nine, you know, in high school, to teach people about this sort of stuff. There's no wrap reason it, up it there. couldn't be. Mate, there's no, no reason it could have been, along with taxes and mortgages and whatever. Mate, I'll tell you I wish they taught the tax back then, mate. Um, so we're going to leave it there for the nutrition stuff um, I will just say you are a very knowledgeable man in this area mate I don't talk you up too much but if anyone does have any more questions want any more guidance please feel free to hit up um, JY he can be found at Equinox PS um, Performance Society on Instagram or at Bayside Athletic or obviously on our socials Chewing the Fat underscore podcast our Q&A is a weekly topic and regardless of the theme of the episode if you've got any nutrition related questions feel free to shoot him in there and I also probably should plug myself if you do want to um, if you do want to chat about any nutrition um, related stuff I'm more than happy to um, chat um, I will probably I probably you know important to say I'm not a nutritionist I um, you know I can only advise in nutrition but if you do have any questions please hit me up um, if you do want to uh, uh, 
receive any nutrition coaching, receive coaching. That's a really bad way of putting it. If you do want any nutritional coaching, please do uh, not hesitate to um, give me a message. I'd love to chat. All right. Our favourite segments to wrap up, JY, and I believe we're swapping this week. Mate, it's like Freaky Friday, but less Lindsay Lohan doing heaps of drugs. Plus it's Thursday, not Sunday morning. <laughs> <laughs> um, so my jokes have been just that side-spoonly good um, that the audience wanted a chance to see if you could remotely close to match it. So I've handed over the joke of the week this week, which means I've taken over the quote. Been sacked. <laughs> um, you're right, I've been sacked. So I've got a quote for you, Joe White. Hit me up. My please. quote this week is, happiness is wanting what you already have. Happiness is wanting what you already have. Now, this is almost on theme um, with our mental health podcast that we put out last week that I'm super, super proud about. Had some awesome feedback on that. And for anyone who listened, one of the biggest themes of that was gratitude um, and the fact that we all live these lives where you know we're always pushing and rushing towards and looking forward towards the next thing. Um, and we're always in this mindset that, you know, if this happens, I'll be happy. When this happens, I'll be happy. When I get this, I'll be happy. And we're so caught up in that that we struggle to realize where we actually are and be grateful for what we've got in our lives um, and I think a big part of that is that happiness is wanting what you already have is we don't realise we're all right now at a stage in our lives where in days, months or years gone by we look forward to being here right now you know when we were a kid we're like I can't wait to grow up right? when we were in high school like I can't wait to be in uni when we were in uni like I can't wait to be employed when we we're employed you might be like I don't know I can't wait to earn more money or be self-employed or whatever we're always at the next step which the old versions of us used to look forward to and sometimes it's really important to take you know, a step back and reflect on that and go hey We've got it pretty good. Um, and yes, it's great to be striving for newer and bigger and better things and looking to improve ourselves and have goals, but um, what we've got at the moment is pretty good. And if we can want the things that we've got, it goes a long way um, to being happy. I love that, mate. Uh, it's, yeah, that's why you're a wise man and I have been sacked from the quote of the week. All right. Can you end with something slightly humorous for us, J.Y.? All right, mate. I, uh, so we, we did a really funny uh, Matthew McConaughey segment on... Um, Sunday, which I'm just going to just say to the listeners that because Chris deleted the podcast, I'm not going to repeat it because it was quite funny at living it. Chris doesn't actually know uh, why Matthew McConaughey says, all right, all right, all right. And that was the joke. It was, you know, went around a bit of a circle there about why he didn't know it. But I thought we were going to leave that bad joke behind in the deleted episode, but you just I, it up. I just wanted to bring it up that you don't know that Matthew McConaughey says that. Which so, a better one anyway. for us, mate. Here's a real... I'm going to give you two jokes. And we're going to... Uh, I'm two. going to let you pick which one's the better one. Okay? The first one. Okay? Actually, this is more of a quote. Oh, this is my turn for quote of the week. Oh, my God. Murphy's Law says that anything that can go wrong will go wrong. Do you know what Cole's Law is, uh, Chris? <sighs> Tell us. Cole's Law is thinly sliced cabbage. <laughs> Not bad. All right. And the second joke... Not bad. What to Alexander the Great... And Winnie the Pooh have in common? Alexander the Great and Winnie the Pooh. Um, they both appear in the internationally proclaimed podcast, Chilling the Fat. At that, and they uh, both have the same middle name. The. Oh, okay. The joke of the week. Oh. <laughs>